I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome back, sir. It's been about a year. I was looking at the uh, last time you were on, and uh, I think yeah, it was it was April of last year. So this is the uh, yearly checkup. This is like going to the dentist or something. <laughs> Which reminds me, I should probably go to the dentist. It's been over a year. <laughs> there you go. Now, now, now you know. Every time you you check in with me, you, you have to go uh, get the chompers looked at. <laughs> I'm gonna set an appointment for later. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, how is everything? Excited for the release of the new album? Absolutely, I, I can't wait for this to be released. Honestly, we wrote this album at the end of well, the second half of 2019, and I remember when we were writing it and doing the demos, we were all like, "Damn, this is good." I want to release this now. And here we are a year and a half later. Right. It's now being released. So definitely. I'm excited for people to hear it because it's a little bit different from uh, the previous albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit more metal, um, a little bit more shredding. The production is, you know, as good as it gets. And, right. Um, I don't know. It's like it's like the stars aligned for this album to be really, really good. No fillers. It's not that we ever had fillers. I don't think, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's. Uh, right. I'm really proud of it, and uh, I think people are really going to dig it. Right, and you're explaining that the album is heavier. It wasn't that way by design, was it? It just kind of came out that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think from touring as much as, much as we do, uh, I'm always, whenever I play a song, I'm, you know, you read the crowd and you can see the reactions you're getting. And uh, and I guess naturally, based on that, uh, I gravita- gravita- gravitated uh, a little bit more toward writing uh, heavy riffs because I don't know, it's just based on the audience reaction and what they like, what they don't like, what they react to. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not like I, it's not like I, um, it wasn't premeditated. Like I said, Oh, I'm I'm going to write your album. This is going to be the most brutal album ever. No, no, no. It was not like that. It was just, you know, it kind of happened and it's not brutal. You know, we're, we're not an extreme metal band at all. Right. Uh, I feel like uh, you know, uh, stranded is a little grungier. This is more on the punk rock side, even though it has a little bit of metal. And then this one's more on the metal side. Right. Um, as far as you know, because you're the the main songwriter in the band, um, was there anything that you consciously wanted to do differently this time around? I mean, that just sort of came about, but was there something that you felt that maybe in the past you hadn't done that you know, great for your rising needed to have you do this one specific thing? Nothing, uh, no, no one specific thing, but a few things that I wanted to okay. do. Um, I wanted to have a little bit more freedom with song structures. Um, 
you know, have longer songs, uh, stuff like that, and with different parts. Um, I wanted the vocals to be more intense. Okay. Uh, I wanted that. Um, I wanted to showcase uh, the guitar playing a little more and what we can do because we can we can really shred Eric and I. Right. Uh, and you know, for whatever reason, on our previous albums, like even though we do have solos and stuff like that, it was not the main uh, focus. Not that it is on this, but when there's a solo, we're not holding back at all. It's like okay, right. here we go. You know. <laughs> was there anything, for example, that you heard Eric do that maybe? kicked you in the ass and said, whoa, I need to up my game and kind of match that. Always. Uh, I think Eric and I, we, that's kind of how we operate. You know what I mean? In the, in the sense okay. that, you know, we play together so much and there's always something that he would do that I'm like, Ooh, look at what he did there. I wouldn't have done that. And that was cool. And then I kind of incorporate that into my plane. And I know that he does that too, with my plane, uh, right. kind of like a healthy, you know, competitive mindset, you know, you know, we're in the same band, we're on the same team, but, um, sure. you know, I feel like, uh, we learn from each other. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that he mentioned in the interview that I did with him a few weeks ago was how each individual member of the band really has different influences. Um, you know, the last time we spoke, you talked about a lot how Nirvana kind of got you started and Metallica really like influenced you quite a bit. Um, what sort of influences do you see from the other players that maybe you weren't familiar with before? but you've come to appreciate as a result? Uh, influences. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, Sam, for example, he, he's a huge Thin Lizzy fan. And before I met him, Thin Lizzy was one of those bands that I liked, but I wasn't like, oh my God, they're so great. Like, I never paid much attention to it, um, but he was so into it. And also our drummer Joey, that I'm like, okay, there's got to be something here that I'm missing. Even though I love them, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, these guys are like super passionate about this band. So I started getting into it, and, I, and now I understand that, you know. <laughs> and that's interesting because, again, with you guys being a two-guitar band, they laid so much groundwork down for so many bands that came after them. Absolutely. You know, there's... Yeah, there's a lot of talk that like bands like Priest and Maiden were heavily influenced with the like dueling guitars and things that Thin Lizzy were doing. Not that they were the first band to do it, but they probably took it to another level where bands before them really had. They the way that the, the metal bands kind of took from that, and it's interesting because uh, when I think of uh, harmonized leads, well, I do think of Priest, I, I think Maiden, you know, uh, that's right. right. Um, even Metallica too, um, mm-hmm. but guys from you know things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you guys are now down to well, not down. You guys are uh, three members now officially, and uh, with the drummer spot, you have someone filling in currently um, because of the situation with Herman, which you kind of 
insinuated a while back, but Eric kind of gave us a definitive answer on what was going on with that. Do you envision a time where Herman could come back in the future or are you guys just going to move forward with the current setup? If Herman were home back, it's not going to happen for a long time. Well, I don't think Herman is going to be moving back to the United States at any point, anytime soon, okay. at least. I mean, he's in England and he's doing well. Mm-hmm. So he's not coming back. So maybe in the future it can happen, but in the distant future, <laughs> not yeah. not anytime soon, that's for sure. Um, Joey DiBiase played drums on this album and he toured with us, uh, but he lives on the East Coast. So uh, right. it's, it's, it's a little bit dysfunctional in that sense. But it's fine. We've been able to make it work. Uh, but yes, and, and, and all of this happened in the middle of the pandemic. So it's kind of difficult to... Like, know what to do because everything is so, so strange, you know? Yeah, I mean, not to um, play up the pandemic in any way, but maybe a silver lining there is that it kind of helped you work the, this situation out where it wasn't yeah. as critical as if you guys had, you know, uh, several tours booked and you had to work something out more long term. Yeah, well, as far as touring is concerned, uh, you know, flying Joey from the East Coast to LA to rehearse on the tour is not a big deal. Like we, we've done it, we can do that. Um, it's more about the writing and being here and, and, and playing together and all the stuff that's missing, you know? Um, right. That's kind of where we want to be. Right. That's okay. Um, as far as post pandemic, I mean, do you guys have a schedule already f- figured out? Do you have any sort of touring semi lined up do you have any ideas of what you guys want to do when when it's safe to come out and play let's say <laughs> well we are working on a tour for um uh late july early august okay so i don't know if that's post pandemic or <laughs> it might be right in the middle of it um i don't know but uh it's safe enough you know, we've been going out playing Arizona, uh, and we I mean, we have a show here in uh, Santa Ana, Orange County, uh, on mm-hmm. May first. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, if if it's up to us, we'll be touring right now. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. It's fine. We'll wear a mask and uh, talk to people from six feet apart. I guess I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but we do have a tour schedule for July. Uh, and the idea is um, to play and tour as much as we can to support this album that that, that we just released, you know? Right. And also, honestly, to um, we still need to kind of support Stranded because we released it in November. Right. Uh, we did, I think we did one tour. We did one small tour with Slough Thing. And then and we had a few shows. And then we played, I think we played with Haunt. We did like a little, like three run, three shows with Haunt. Right. Uh, and then we were in the middle of a tour uh, in, in April, and that's when the pandemic hit. So we didn't even tour that much in support of Stranded. Right. So <laughs> we have to uh, we have to tour more. It's like a double coming out party, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's interesting. I, I've had people that I've interviewed that have told me that they, well, and I've read plenty of 
quote unquote big bands say that they've had albums recorded for over a year and they want to wait to release them. And then I've had other bands tell me that, you know, they write so much that if they held it in, they would end up hating the material because they need to just get it out because by the time, um, you know, everything was quote unquote, okay, they would probably have another album ready to go. So was there at any point in time where, you know, stranded came to mind and you guys said, well, you know, maybe we should wait until we tour that to put great fear rising out or no, because a lot of songs on stranded are pretty old. And you got to remember that we released Stranded independently on March of 2018 or 2019. No, 2019. I'm sorry. Uh, and then Ripple picked it up. We added two songs and we re-released it through Ripple. So some of those songs are pretty old already. So, right. you know, we were ready at that point for a new release for sure. Okay. And... um with Ripple as well, you guys were kind of signed to them before a lot of the, I, I guess the, the biggest thing to come out uh, was that Blasco has been picked up to uh, do A&R. He's obviously been managing a lot of bands over, over the years. He's also obviously been playing with Ozzy for, I think it's like 10 years at this point. Um, yeah. Um how big of a deal is it for you guys to be on a label that really seems to be picking up steam? Uh, it, it makes sense to me. Uh, one of the, the, the reason why it makes sense to me is because I, I kind of wanted to be signed by ripple years ago mm-hmm. because one of the things that I was selling the guys, we, when we tour, we listen to a lot of music in the van. Right. Um, and whenever we heard a band and I, and I went, oh, this is cool. Who are they? Oh, this this band from Ripple. Oh, okay. This band from Ripple. Oh, look at Ripple. They they have a good ear. They obviously have good taste. Mm-hmm. Um, they're putting out good music. So and I, and I didn't even know at that point how popular they were or uh, how much money they had, or how much clout. Right. I, and I didn't care because um you can have all the money in the world and and all the cloud and and put out crap you know what i mean um but i was very interested i was like okay these guys are obviously onto something uh so i was very interested in that label from the get-go so i'm not surprised you know that you read what you saw and you know you do things for the right reasons and then Mm -hmm. the results will come when they shall, you know? <laughs> How do you feel that you fit in with their roster? Do you feel that you add a different ingredient than, say, some of the other bands that they uh, absolutely have? And that's why you're bringing it up, too, because you can tell that we're not, right. we don't fit in 100%. Uh, but I think that's why they like us, too, because, um, you know, you're you're a label. You know, I guess you you don't want to be um, you don't want people to think, oh, this is a label that puts out this specific, a very niche specific type of music. Right. You know, they just want to put out good music, which is what a lot of labels, unfortunately, have become. If they put out you know a stoner band, they put out forty stoner bands that all sound alike. And um, mm-hmm. last Friday, my guest was uh, Andrew from Metal Assault, and that was one of the things oh. that we were talking about was how 
you know, with his label, he's trying to make sure that every band is completely different from one another for a bunch of different reasons. So it would make sense that, you know, Ripple would want to sign you guys who, again, don't sound like any of the other bands and, and kind of it's, you know, giving people different, uh, different things to sample on the plate, you know, and if they ever decide to put a tour together with their bands, well, you're not going to have a problem with people getting tired of, you know, just another band that sounds like another band. Well, and I, and I don't think that all ripple bands sound the same at all. I mean, no. uh, but, but when you, but I understand that, you know, you, you're saying like stoner rock, um, uh, that that kind of style, or like like Sabbath worshiping bands, um, but but that's kind of like like a very broad term. Like when you say stoner, right? I mean, no, it can be it, it can be a lot of things. It can be so different. Um, but but yeah, I guess you could uh, categorize a lot of the a lot of the bands as stoner rock, even though sometimes they sound more like heavy metal to me or straight up rock and roll. You know, right? Well, I mean, what what I'm trying to get at it. I mean, maybe I use the wrong analogy, but no, you know, I understand that. Yeah, you know, you have labels that are just death metal, just metal, yeah. just labels that are, you know, uh, black metal. Just you know, they just focus on one thing, and then I think that's kind of, you know, shooting yourself in the foot. If you look historically back at successful labels, none of their bands sounded alike. You could definitely tell who each one of them was, and and I think to to what to a credit of what Ripple is trying to do um, is that they're trying to offer people more than just more of the same. Is what I'm trying to say. No, absolutely, and I think I think uh, signing us was actually a conscious effort to go in that direction. Sure, I don't know for a fact. I think. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, as far as. Um, playing you know the few shows that you guys have played how surreal has that been trying to conform to certain rules and having maybe you know if the crowds weren't the same do you feel that the crowds were hungrier to see you guys definitely uh the same time because of restrictions as far as like how the light how the venues need to operate it was a little strange because people are not supposed to stand up so they're supposed to be sitting down at a heavy metal show and it feels mm-hmm. a little strange um so but it was okay like it was it felt great to play live again that's for sure uh, right. i didn't care that people were sitting down i'm like i'm out of the house <laughs> <laughs> right well that's funny because here in spain um no shows tend to have seating you know if you go even to uh, i don't know if you go to like an arena it's the floor is all empty and then the seats are up you know in in the stands where they would be for any sporting event um so it's interesting now they have the same kind of thing going and i saw i saw that for a show and somebody was complaining oh they made us all sit down and and whatnot and i'm thinking well you know um, it, a lot of shows that I've been to in the States, a lot of bigger shows, it's all seated. So, I mean, to me, it didn't seem like that big of a deal, but here where that's n- almost never the case, you know, people uh-huh. felt so, so like out of, uh, like a fish out of water. Interesting. It's like a cultural difference, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, we kind of talked about that 
the last time that we spoke, you know, kind of some of the differences between being, you know, growing up, you grew up in, uh, in Uruguay as opposed to being in, in California. I mean, there are definitely things that I'm sure that you picked up over the years, uh, just seeing, you know, shows or just seeing, you know, how, how bands maybe interact with one another. Um, I spoke again, another thing that I spoke to Andrew about was there's a big deal made out of, you know, how fans are in South America as opposed to like the U S but maybe fans like say in LA, even now that there's a reduced number of everything, there's still a lot of stuff going on. Whereas in other countries, you know, growing up in Uruguay, every how many years did you get to see a big show? So that's kind of the reason why you'd have, you know, the, the big stadiums filled out, you know, and it's also a reason it's another good way of bands also, you know, over the last few years, how many bands have you seen put out DVDs and stuff from South America, just because that additional reaction is so different to what it's like. Cause they never go there. So when they go, people are like, yeah. Damn, this will be the only chance I get to see this band <laughs> in my lifetime. Seriously. Right. I think you better go, you know, to right. where like, if you compare it to Los Angeles, you can you can catch it next week, next week or next tour, you know? Like if I if I want to see, I don't know, like whatever band, I don't know, Megadeth, I'd be like, all right, uh, I'm tired tonight. I'll, I'll catch them next tour, you know? Right. <laughs> and that's yeah. literally, you can do that, you know? But in South America, it's like, well, better go now. Well, not yeah. Megadeth specifically because they do play in South America a lot, but... But, you know. but even still, they're they're playing like once every what three four years, and right. they're rotating countries. So you know it's not the same as you know Megadeth might play LA two or three times a year. So you know mm-hmm. depending on the tour package that they're a part of. Right. Um, so I I think maybe it's it's funny, and this happened this happened to me. I mean I grew up in the New York area, so you take that for granted doing exactly what you said. Yeah, I'll go next time because mm-hmm. the, you know, you think that there'll always be a next time. Whereas, you, you know, spoiled. The, you get spoiled and there's a reason why there's 80,000 people in a place that sees, uh-huh. you, know, you, know you know, what it learns, then people die and then you don't get to see him. Like I did that with Dick Dale. I'm like, eh. right. You know, I love Dick Dale, but, but I'm not feeling it two months later dead. Right. Oh, I guess you don't get to see him. <laughs> Wasn't kind on that. But. Yeah, that's that's happened to me a few times here. Uh, because I mean, where I live in Spain, Madrid is like four hours away, and Barcelona is about seven. So where you live? I live outside of uh, a city called Santander, which is in the north center Santander. of Spain. Santander. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> I guess you don't have the banks out on the West Coast. They're, I know they're on the East Coast, but uh, there's... Oh, no, those banks, did they have them in Uruguay too? Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. They're all over South America. Yeah, the the. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll catch shit for this. The Spanish businessmen have continued to know how to uh, plunder in the same countries. So uh, <laughs> they, the old habits die hard, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's that's happened to me. The one time I was lucky where we were smart enough to go was to see Dio. We got to see Dio on his last solo tour ever. 
uh, was like a year before he passed away. And wow. to this day, you know, we feel lucky that that we did that because there have been other opportunities where it's like, yeah, I don't feel like driving three hours for that show. And the next wow. thing you know, the band breaks up or someone dies or whatever, and you're kicking yourself saying, shit, you know, yeah. you had that chance. You know, that's, that's a great singer to see live. I've never seen him live, but like that's, you know, he was so good live. Yeah, he was great. He was absolutely great. He'd, um, um, my wife still says that he was the best, uh, the best performer on that festival. Kiss came on after him and I'm a lifelong Kiss fan. So, you know, it was hard for me to choose, but that was definitely a great top bill for, uh, for a festival. Yeah. Dio and Kiss. Jesus. Dio, Kiss, and then Saxon came on at quarter to four in the morning. <laughs> I mean, after Dio and Kiss, I don't care who's next. I mean, I'm done. I <laughs> right. love Kiss. Kiss was well, one of my favorite bands of all time, too. Yeah. Love it. Have you ever thought of taking Void Vader to South America or Europe? Europe, definitely, because we have ties in Europe uh, with you know, with the label and, and people we know. Uh, South America is a lot more complicated. And, and I know this for a fact because um, it's not like in the United States where you can just go to different cities. Uh, everything's spread out. Like, um, you have your, your like, um, there's a lot of rural areas. So, like, let's say in Europe, for example, you play the capital city and then uh, everyone is going to come to that show. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can drive four hours and play another show. You're done for that country. If you go to Argentina and you go to Buenos Aires and you play Buenos Aires and then people will come to see you. Maybe in Argentina you can get away with do a few more shows. But uh, right. it's a lot of flying, not a lot of yeah, you know, driving is more like flying shows. So it gets more expensive. You got to rent gear. It's more complicated. Um, yeah, yeah. Are a lot more complicated. And um, I don't think we're at a point where that's it. It, it will be too complicated. Gotcha. Uh, and we can, and we I and I want to go to Europe first. I've been to South America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, the, the interesting thing in Europe, too, is that a lot of bands have focused their tours on, you know, England, Germany and maybe Sweden. And that's, you know, there are enough cities between all three of those countries that although the, the situations are similar to what you're saying with South America, um, you can get away with just, you know, you can do a tour of Germany, which maybe you can play eight cities you can right. play the UK. There's similar six, seven, eight cities that you can do in the UK um, where similar to what you said about Argentina or maybe Brazil, but outside of that, yeah, you know, um, I know from a fact I've had bands tell me, you know, we're, we're not playing Spain this time around because it costs too much to drive from Paris to, uh, to Spain. And then at the time that I was interviewing this person, they had, jacked up all the performance taxes. So the guy told me, he said, yeah, we're not, you know, we're going to play, we're going to pay 600, 600, well, $700 in, uh, in diesel. And then we're going to end up getting, you know, zapped with taxes and, you know, we're probably not going to do well with merch. He said, yeah, we're not, we're not going, 
he told me flat out. He said he said Spain, Italy, and Greece made no money for them, and this is a a, a relatively well known band. So, um, yeah, and and even Paris, he told me, he said the only reason we're playing Paris is because it's kind of on the way between Germany and the UK. He said unless if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't stop here either. So it's yeah, it's. Gotta get their shit together, man. It sounds like they're they're a mess. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm kidding. The, the distances, you know, it's it's kind of the same thing. I mean, you're you're driving between like European countries. It's it's so tiny compared to South America. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, but if you're, for example, this guy was telling me that they were booked in Madrid. Then they were they were booked in Germany, booked down in Madrid, and then they had to go back to Germany before going over to France. And he was telling me it's like 22 hours each way to, you know, from Germany to Germany, you know, so. What do they have to do that for? That's the way the uh, routing agency set everything up. They they had been fighting with them the entire time. And- well, see that I'm right. I'm right. They got to get their shit together. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's some of that behind the scenes stuff that I'm sure you can appreciate because I mean when you guys are setting up all of all of these tours I mean I see you guys announce you know on social media about trying to fill in dates and you know it's kind of a connect the dots where if you yeah. guys can squeak in another date in between instead of driving you know through the southwest you know if you can make shorter trips and and just hit up a place in between I mean economically it makes more sense for you guys but also you know it's less wear and tear on you guys as well doing the shorter short i think that's that's the most important thing it's just yeah you, you don't want to be driving eight hours every day it's it's exhausting it's boring i mean you know you can only listen to so many songs and then just, <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, come on let's get there right. already <laughs> driving through the night you know Drinking what, coffee, smoking cigarettes. What would you say is on a constant rotation for you guys in the car? Or is there like any band that you oh. need to throw in the? Uh, I almost said throw in the tape deck. I'm, I'm showing my age here. Um, what, what do you need to put on the radio um, to get you going in the car? Yeah. Uh, for me personally. Yeah. Okay, so this is pretty interesting. Uh, I actually started making. Um, Apple Music playlists. Okay. I have a few. I only have a few playlists, uh, but this is the kind of stuff that gets me pumped when um, when I'm driving. So I started this one playlist called Super Extreme 80s Workout Montage. And it's got stuff like uh, No Easy Way Out uh, you know, from the Rocky movie. Okay. It's got stuff. Uh, Danger Song, Danger Song by Kenny Loggins, uh, right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. It, it puts me in a good mood. Um, I have another one called Freedom Town, and I got you know I got Kiss, I got ACDC, I got Rat, uh, Turbo Negro, Van Halen, um, Judas Priest. I got Mothership in there. Um, CC Top. It's funny. I what is that yeah that was of of course uh, you know i i turned everything off but skype that was uh, someone calling me on skype 
CC Top and Mothership, which I think is interesting because they're both from Texas, and I always thought that Mothership is kind of like a like a modern CC Top <laughs> because right. they're you know three piece, and I don't know they have that that southern flair to it. Sure, um, and they have some. Uh, I have a playlist with uh, Spanish rock. Oh, okay. I have one band one band from Spain. That I know. Of course, I know them. <laughs> so I love that band from Spain. Um, I got Argentinian bands like Catupecu Machu, um, and also Soda Stereo, um, stuff like that. Uh, you know, Spanish rock. Um, I can always put on the rounds when I'm driving. That always works. That always gets me. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty basic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, Edouis is the, I think, only Spanish band to ever have a number one album in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. So, they really? were, yeah, they were huge back in the day. Um, unfortunately, your, your typical thing where uh, they just couldn't stand each other anymore. I mean, they did reunion shows back in 2007 i think but they've never done anything since i mean it was interesting because so much i would i wouldn't care like even if i hated my vocalist or my guitar player you know <laughs> if you're at that level you don't have to see each other at all only right. when you're on stage and then you just go on and do your own thing like, what's the big deal like I, I wouldn't even care i would do it anyway but you know, I say that from a distance. Maybe it's different. Who knows? There's some legal issues, and it's just not, not worth it. Yeah, but these guys, I mean, they have so much money that that's why they don't play anymore together. You know, it's not the same as, you know, need needs to mm-hmm. <laughs> keep doing it, you know? There's, it's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you bring up rap. I mean, somebody asked me the other day, they said, well, why do you think Stephen Piercy is trying to get, you know, as many of the original members back together? Um, you know, and one of the things that was said to me was, well, maybe it's for one last hurrah. I said, well, it's either that or the brand name Rat sells a lot more than the brand name Stephen Piercy, regardless of who's in that band. But if you can get as many of the original guys back together again, yeah, I mean, you're talking about bigger tours. You're talking about you're talking about a lot more money. So, I mean, even though without his voice, rat is not rat. I mean, I'm sorry, like that that voice is so particular. Yeah, but Bobby went out and toured under the name Rat, and he was still getting people out at venues. So, I mean, that's that shows the the power of an, an established brand. Yeah, you know, I agree. That, yeah. That, yeah, the name is so is so big and so popular that, you know, at that level, a lot of people don't know until they show up to the show that, you know, they're not there. Shit, with, we're talking about Kiss. You know, a lot of people don't even know that it's not the original four guys under the makeup. You know, they just want to go for the experience and just check out the show, you know? At this point, I don't care either. I'm like, yeah, looks like Ace, looks like Peter Chris. Than 
it's kids. You're the people Stanley going crazy and Gene Simmons doing the thing and spitting fire. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, get, getting back to the uh, touring situation. Now we talked about your playlist. Is there anything that other people play in the van that drives you nuts? That drives me nuts. Well, um, Eric, Eric only plays metal. Okay. Uh, and Eric ne- needs heavy metal to drive, especially okay. at night. Otherwise, he, he can fall asleep. So that's his thing. He, he needs to blast metal really loud whenever he's driving. Right. Um, so, you know, that's a little difficult when you're trying to sleep. <laughs> but okay. he drives more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what? Okay. You can have that. I'll put some earplugs in or whatever and you just go for it. Right. But no, I mean they're not very good taste in music. Like they're not gonna play anything. I'm probably I'm probably the only weirdo that plays all this crazy stuff and you know, South American rock bands and and jazz and and, and you know things that are not and like weird 80s synth pop and stuff like that. Then they look at me like, what the fuck, dude? I get bored of listening to the same shit all the time, you know. Like I, I love my heavy metal and my rock and roll, but you know, I got you got to spice it up. Sure, but they never play anything that I'm like, oh no, get the fuck out of here. Or did they? I kind of, I kind of feel like recently it happened when I, when I'm like, you know, what, what was it? I don't know. But they seem to say if you ask them, I tell you that I don't like anything. <laughs> They're like, well, I don't like anything, Gia. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? I don't like this. And I'm like, yeah, but you always say you, whenever we put something on, you're like, nope. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm pretty open-minded, but I, apparently I hate a lot of music. <laughs> well, it still seems that uh, from what you described, you still got a you know, wide variety going there. You know, I don't, I don't think there's too many other people that uh, that I've interviewed that can – claim to have, you know, Soda Stereo and, uh, you know, Eros del Silencio or jazz or stuff like that going Mm -hmm. mixed in with, you know, Ride the Lightning and stuff like that, so. (laughs) Yeah. And my wife and I started getting into collecting vinyl again. Right. Uh, So one of the things that I like to do is getting, I like to get albums that were recorded and mastered, you know, with that in mind, you know, from that era, you know, is going to play on vinyl uh, right based technology so it sounds different like if you listen to an album that is released now mm-hmm. uh, and you the turntable it's got a different sound than something like let's say van halen 2 you know you put it it's just different you know it's right. recorded on tape it's recorded on tape the mastering is different it is it's, it's kind of cool so i've been buying a lot of jazz albums um like Django Reinhardt, Benny Goodman, and Joe Pass, stuff like that. Right. This is the kind of stuff that I like listening to. Of course, I have my Van Halen albums. Of course, I have uh, Turbo Negro, um, DC Top, and stuff like that. But um, and then my my wife's into like um, like like big band jazz and right. stuff like that. It's fun and fifties music. Oh wow! Yeah, definitely a lot of stuff going on there. And a lot of uh, um, a, a lot of uh, uh, movie scores, which is fun when you just put on a score and walk around the house, and it's 
it gets a little weird. You know, awesome. It's fun. It's, it's a different trip, you know, like like listening to song, 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 song. You're listening to a whole score, and, right? You know, that has a certain mood. You know, mm-hmm. it's cool. See, that's an interesting point that uh, Monty Pittman brought up to me years ago, where he mentioned that he likes writing as if he's writing an entire like movie score where you need to listen to the album beginning to end to catch all the different moods and, mm-hmm. and get the, the flow of everything. And he kind of, he explained that he kind of um, felt that knowing that you could buy songs individually kind of bugged him because it didn't, it broke up like the mood of the entire album. Um it- it really does. And even if you do it now with any album that you like, uh, it, it's different. It's a different experience. It's not necessarily worse, but um, there is something about putting an album and listening to it to end, you know? Right. And doing nothing else, you know? Like just sit there, it's just sit and listen. It's so different. The way you appreciate mm-hmm. music, details. Uh, nuance it, it's not the same um, compared to like you know doing a playlist like I do and listen, listening to music in the car uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I do think that uh, listening to music uh, and, and doing nothing but that it's very important for free just you appreciate right. it more right absolutely well I mean it's a different scenario you know being able to sit down in front of, you know, in front of a pair of speakers and just listening to an album as opposed to being on the road where you just have to, you know, you're just trying to, it's kind of like eating. It's not the same as eating a meal at home as it is to being on the road and just getting what you can get kind of a deal. That's a good analogy right there, yeah. (laughs) You're just consuming, you know, it's consumed, but but you're not really like... Yeah, it's, it's not the Taste same as notes, you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're that's it. You're consuming notes as opposed to just savoring them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, do you um teach lessons as well? Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a handful of private students. Okay. Do you? Uh, the lessons that you do, are they in person? Are they online or are they a mix? Uh, they're in person. They're in person. Um, I do online lessons with a few students because of COVID. And, right. you know, they, you know, well, one of them is, is either, you know, not of age, so he cannot even make up his mind. <laughs> it's, not, it's not up to him whether he can come here or not, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And then I have another student, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't want to do the in person until she's vaccinated, and I'm, I respect that. It's all good. But um, if I can do in person over Zoom, I I do because it's better. I mean, without a doubt. Gotcha. Um, how do you approach lessons? Um, do you? I mean, how much do you consider how you grew up learning how to play? Uh, when it comes to teaching the students, or do you take things on a student by student basis? The, the, the most important thing is I learn from my own mistakes. Um, so I, I, I want to make sure that my students don't make the same mistakes that I did. And okay. one of the big mistakes 
that I made, I I think, was not playing songs enough, like always trying to write and always like working on my skills. Mm -hmm. Of course, I learn songs. I'm not a a psycho, but but not enough. Uh, I feel like I should have. And then later on in life, I started learning other people's music more and more and more and more. And and, I mean, that's really the best way to learn. But I was yeah. at a point where I already studied classical guitar and, uh, you know, I've, I've been around, I've been in bands, I play covers and stuff like that. But but I tried it. I tried to teach my students songs first, mm-hmm. uh, but it's but I do not have a one size fit all because they're all different. And that's the reason why I only have a handful of students. Gotcha. Because I want to know them. I want to know what they like. I want to know um, their skill level. Mm-hmm. I want personally. It's 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 you know because because I've been in a situation before, like working at a music school, where you have to teach a ton of people, tons of people, mm-hmm. and it's not ideal because you don't get to know the the, the, the people uh, well right. enough to know you know how to approach the lesson uh everyone's different everyone needs different things everyone um yeah everyone's different man like you just gotta go every if you you were to see the the way i teach each student separately you'd be like this is insane like (laughs) it's a different approach and of course i have different ages you know Right. So like I have an eight-year-old, it's not going to be the same with a 25-year-old, you know? Sure. But that makes sense. I mean, with anything that you're trying to learn, everyone is completely different. And if you really get down to analyzing musicians, you know, when you see people say, oh, well, who's the greatest drummer of all time? Who's the greatest guitarist? It all comes down to your preference because each one of those players is special and as good as they are, they're really good at one thing or another. You know, um, you, you look at someone like an Eddie Van Halen or Stevie Ray Vaughan or a Randy Rhodes or a Dimebag Daryl, they're all ridiculously talented players, but none of them sounds exactly like the other. Exactly. And, they, and they're all good at one thing specifically, you know, like they're right. good at, like Eddie Van Halen is great at being Eddie Van Halen and Steve mm-hmm. Ray is great at being Steve Ray Vaughan. If like me as a guitar teacher, like I can play Steve Ray Vaughan, I can play mm-hmm. Van Halen, I can play Dimebag. You know what sure. I mean? I don't I don't know that Steve Ray Vaughan could play Van Halen. You know what I mean? Right. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing because mm-hmm. you know, when you listen to Steve Ray, you only need to listen to it like a split for a split second and you know it's him. Right. One of the I try to do with my students is understand what they want mm-hmm. and what kind of player they want to be, and, and, I, and I try to and, I, and that to to kind of like focus our attention on 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 getting to to basically achieve what I think they're good at. You know what I mean? As opposed to trying to teach them everything. You know, it's like if I that's into jazz or like blues, but we'll do that. You know, if I have a student that's to songwriting, then well, then I'm going to show you songs that can help you with your songwriting. And we're going to go that way. I'm not going mm-hmm. to show you how to shred and I'm not going to give you like a million exercises right. because that's not what you want. You know, mm-hmm. if I have a student 
that's into um, the technical aspect they want to shred. You know what I mean? I'm not going to show them the songs. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to push the boundaries of their, and I'm going to give them all the exercises and 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 the things that they need to do to be able to shred. But some people are not interested in shredding. You know, they just want to play right. songs. So you want to play just songs? Cool, that's fine too. You know, we'll do that. <laughs> Yeah. Again, another food analogy. If if you're looking to become an, an Italian chef, you don't really need to become an expert at making hamburgers or tacos. You know, yeah. um, it's just something different. It, it doesn't mean that one is better than the other, you know, because it comes down to preference. It's just that if you're trying to learn one discipline, as you're saying, if you if someone wants to be a singer songwriter, being able to play arpeggios and you know, sweeps may not be of any interest to them. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's because uh, you only have a certain amount of time, you know, to, mm-hmm. to focus your energy. So if you are focused, let's say you want to be a songwriter and you're like doing our pages up and down, then you're not focusing on your songwriting. That's what you want right. to do. Um, that's what's kind of like being a guitar instructor. It's, it's, it's a little bit problematic because you, uh, as an artist, because you need to know, like I need to know how to play pretty much anything. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I have students that are into jazz, I have students that are into blues, I have students that are into metal. Some of right. them are into, you know, whatever. I, I got to be able to do all of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, when I used to work at a music school, it was even crazier because the students would come in and they had assignments, you know, so they would have to learn, um, a specific song and it could be anything you know it could be mm-hmm. like Mike Jackson or um, whatever man like anything you can possibly imagine right um, so of course you know you, I don't know all these songs I don't know every single song under the song you know so mm-hmm. I will have to pick it up immediately and teach it so I kind of developed an ability to pick up <laughs> You know, pretty much any, well, within reason, of course, but I can listen to something and, 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 and figure out really fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned that kind of because I had to do it that way. That, mm-hmm. that I used to work at. But at the same time, as an artist, you know, because you have to play all these different genres and you got to be good at everything, it kind of takes away from, you know, developing your own style. Sure. Because like what I say, you know what I mean? If like you're focusing your attention and energy on all these little things, you're not narrowing your focus on being great at this one specific thing. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Cool. Um, before I let you go, I want to just remind everyone that the new album, which is Great Fear Rising, comes out. It's the 23rd, right? Yeah, I think it'll be available in all platforms starting this Friday. Okay. So you can check it out before you buy it, you know? Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, April 23rd is going to be available on Ripple Music. It's going to be available on our Bandcamp page so people can buy directly from us as well. Um, and, yeah. Check it out, man. Like when it's when it comes out uh, digitally uh, this Friday, check it out because you're gonna want to buy it. Um, it does sound a little bit different on vinyl. Uh, mm-hmm. I I have a vinyl here. Um, it, I, it just sounds better, man. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It just sounds better. It sounds better okay. on vinyl. It does. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cool. And um, where should people go to follow uh, you and Void Vader? Uh, me personally, they can go to Instagram, Lucas Canopa at Instagram. I'm the only one with that name. I guess I have a special name. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Void Vader on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever else. Uh, you know, all the typical uh, social media. I think we're more more active on Facebook and Instagram than anything else, really. Right. Uh, okay. But Instagram is probably uh, the, the the best one to uh, to know what we're up to because we update it, update that with the stories and stuff like that. It's easier mm-hmm. to just like put things out as they come. Awesome. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for uh, coming back for your yearly checkup. <laughs> yeah. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta call my dentist. <laughs> There you go. Um, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll chat again in the future. I'm sure uh, next time you guys are out promoting any sort of EP or any sort of album, Eric will reach out and I'll get a chance to talk to the two of you again. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me again, dude. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you for coming back on. Absolutely. Have a- awesome. All right. Take it easy. All right. Awesome. Lucas from Void Vader. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Special uh, early week edition of the uh, Signals from Mars live stream. We will be live stream, not live stream. Um, we'll be back on Friday. Undetermined guest so far. We'll see. Uh, I'll wrangle someone up and uh, we'll be back 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. In the UK and for anyone in the CET, Continental European Time Zone, like myself, it is midnight Saturday. So, um, yeah, Friday going into Saturday. I have a hard time explaining that to uh, Europeans for some reason. You say it's, yeah, it's midnight Saturday. Oh, that's Saturday into Sunday? No, Friday into Saturday. So, there you go. Anyway. Thanks to everyone that watched this live and chimed in during the chat. Thanks to anyone that's watching this or listening to the audio podcast on the replay. And uh, we will see you on Friday. Please join us. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 